Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the MSRP podcast, coming to you live from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We can't thank them enough for having us. I am your host, Jason Aloise, along with my main man, Bobby Bench. Hello. And we got McKay in the ones and twos. So we're happy to be here again. We've got a great response uh, from the second episode. So we must be doing something, right? Uh, sure. Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking pre-production and we just said, you know what? We're just going to give it a go, man. See what happens. Kick it around. See what it eats and uh, see where this will go. But we're really happy to have you guys here. Everybody's doing well. I'm okay. I got to tell you why. Uh, my, my wife oftentimes sends me out to Publix. And she gives me a laundry list of stuff to do. Now, for all you listeners out there who don't know, Publix has about 9,000 stores. I'm I'm embellishing that number. About 9,000 stores in the state of Florida. So that is the supermarket of choice. But I went there with the list. I walk in the store. Before I go in, I have a set plan. I know where everything is. Oh, yeah. Aisle three is peanut butter. Aisle five is bread. It gets me in and out. I basically have a map. Okay. And you serpentine your way through and right on out the door. I know where everything is. So, obviously, you guys know we were talking pre-production too. My son banged his chin on the pool. I had to give a bunch of medicine, right? He had to get eight stitches. He became a man. So, I walk into Publix. I'm like, oh, I got this. This is right before the show. I walk into Publix. I got everything. Boom, boom. We're done. And the entire store has been changed around. Every aisle was changed around. Aisle one is now milk instead of like eggs or bread or something the whole store and I, it threw me for a loop and i was like kind of off today i'm like what is going on man i have to think that they have that in mind that if you are that kind of shopper they're going to try and set up in a more efficient way for you right but yeah when you when it gets changed on you and it throws your whole rhythm off you'll find that again but yeah they just try to overhandle it a little bit and now you got to adapt I, i'm not good at adapting though <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> Watching a month, you'll come back. It's like, you know what? The new setup is actually working a lot more efficiently for me. No, you're right. You're right. But it just kind of made me angry. I, I usually have a plan. I actually like to time myself. I actually like to say, okay, I got four minutes. I'm going to get everything in four minutes. Usually, I'll break it in like 320, 340. Today, it was a disaster. Ten minutes. Now, you go with your own list. But if you go with your wife, because you got a plan. So, right. for me, me and my lady... She hates to go grocery shopping with me because I, I want to get out. I want to get a I don't want to be there. And she wants to sit there and just compare every lemon and check the different no. things. And it's like, I know my brands. I know what I need. And I'm getting in and out. So we don't go grocery shopping anymore. She's, if she's making dinner, she wants to get her ingredients. And she wants doesn't want me to stress her out. So, so we'll, we'll play it separate. But yeah, for, if it's just me, I, same thing. I got a list. It's itemized. It's categorized. Get it. Go. Yeah. I mean, I'm like Czechoslovakia. In and out. But now... I can't do that anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I know the Alton Publix a little. But anyways, sorry about that. was a little disheveled, but I had to bring that up before we open the show. So like I said, episode two, we are here today. And I think the big discussion uh, Bobby and I were talking about is the state of golf, both in the PGA Tour and the LIV Tour, the 54 Tour, or whatever you guys want to call it. I think it is definitely a hot topic right now. Um, I think the feathers have been ruffled by this tournament to the PGA. I think they are shaking in their boots because they don't know what to expect. What do you think? I think they have a pretty good, as the word that comes out a lot is monopoly on golf. Yes. So they think they're in control of the situation. Now, it's just something that's going to have to play out. And you've seen this a couple other opportunities where Saudi 
backed sports league hasn't quite come to fruition. Maybe they're just hoping that history is going to repeat itself. Maybe this new live tournament has something and PJ is going to say, okay, we'll wait and see. We'll make some suspensions and we'll cautiously await what the next plan of attack is based on success. I think, yeah, I think they're shaking in their boots to be honest with you, because I would love to know at the end of this weekend, obviously with the U S open going on up in Massachusetts, what are the ratings? You got no DJ, you got no Phil, you got no Louis Ustazen. You have a bunch of other guys that aren't playing. Is, is the competition down? Is the competition down or is it a little more fine tuned? Cause me personally, I'm seeing the list of guys that switched over to the live league and it's the guys that were kind of had a little bit of a nuisance personality on the tour. And now it's like, okay, now we're just going to see Rory and JT and a lot of these other guys that you really want to cheer for more so. So I guess maybe the competition, you've lost a few key players, but are the people that are loyal to the PGA going to appreciate the field a little bit more? I think that's a good point. I think the one event that will still have the mystique like we talked about last week when I did a impression of Jim Nance. The guy's just cool as a cucumber. Is the Masters. I don't think that'll ever lose its luster no matter what, no matter who's not playing. It's the Masters. It's the Super Bowl of golf. So I always think that will be there. But I find it interesting that I went to, uh, today I went to Dustin Johnson's uh, Instagram page. Now, I personally know Dustin. We don't go out to dinner. We don't get drinks. Uh, My son and his son played baseball together. So uh, this is a good man, a great father. Wants to do right by his kids. So anyways, like I was saying, I alluded to, I went to his his, uh, Instagram page and it still has 1.2 million followers and it still says Dustin Johnson PGA. You find that odd? Uh, I find that kind of, I guess, tedious in both ways. It's either that he still wants to maintain that relationship or he feels that he in no way has to remove that at the time. Right. But, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it until somebody says you you are no longer a PGA golfer and you have to remove that. He's still an accomplished PGA golfer. He definitely is. And and one of his posts had the Invitational in London uh, this past week. And it was just one in bold letters. It said golf, comma, but louder. What do you think about that? It's accurate. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll have, we'll have yet to see. But I know I saw a few posts on social media from the Live Tour one of which was Greg Norman on stage doing a little Howard Dean impersonation where he gets the crowd riled up a little bit and just gives a nice little bah! at the end of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's something that I think a lot of sports are demanding. That's why NFL is still the cream of the crop because there is no limit to how loud that sport can get. People want more energy out of baseball. People want more energy out of golf. They want to be able to have the parties they do at the Waste Management or at the Bear Trap at the Honda Classic. So there is that craving for that. Now, whether PGA is letting that pass them by or Liv is going to capitalize on that is uh, what's going to be exciting to watch play out. That is a good point. You know, I don't know how the NFL does it, but somehow, you know, I'm a diehard Jet fan. When we were 2-14 and 14 prior to the year starting, for some reason, I was so pumped for the schedule release. And ESPN had this big thing where, oh, the Jets are playing the Bills week one. I knew we were going to get slaughtered, but somehow it got me excited. You know, this is in May. This is when baseball has finally started. Not to get too much off the topic, but we always talk about the NFL, the machine, how they print money. But I think we want to talk even we want to elaborate even more today on the LIV 54 blah 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 tour whatever the heck it's called. So I think it's important we we bring in someone who actually is an expert at golf. And it's going to be our first guest 
um, on the MSRP podcast. This man needs no introduction, ladies and gentlemen. He is a local legend in the realm, in the realms of Palm Beach County. He's just like he's laughing at me as with the headphones on. This man knows more about golf than any five people you've ever met in your life. He's played at every course. He's done every everything you can do with golf when it comes to playing golf. That's not a professional. He also owns two local businesses here, and and I think Bobby and I really wanted to shout out small businesses in Palm Beach County with all that's going on. Uh, don't forget to check out Lighthouse Dry Cleaners. He has two of them, one in Promenade Plaza, one in on Hood Road. So he needs no introduction. We call him Dry Clean Bob. He may, he does Don Henley's dirty laundry. Welcome to the show, Bob. But he's an expert, and he's going to explain to us exactly what Liv is. How you doing, Bob? Great, great. Thanks for having me. Uh, guys, it's uh, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be your first guest on your second show. First one was a smash. Uh, <laughs> all 57 minutes, I was glued. Uh, Liv tour. It is a hot topic. It's it's something to talk about. It's something to look at. Uh, the Liv tour 54, Roman numerals 54, the reason they named it that, they played 54 holes. That's simple. When it comes to the Live Tour and the PGA and the differences and where we're at with it, there's so many different angles that you can go with this and look at. Is it a legitimate league? It's eight events. Seven regular events boils down to basically their championship in the eighth event. Can you really establish a league with that few events. Of course, they're trying to build on that and have more events go on. If you look at their schedule versus the PGA, they're really not going head-to-head schedule-wise to try to go toe-to-toe with them. So there are some minor their PGA events in the same week as the Live Tour events, but they're minor tournaments in comparison to some of the bigger tournaments that the PGA plays. When it comes to the players that have gone over there, you, there's a, there's a, a lot of different opinions on who those players are, why they went over, how it makes that tour more legitimate, if it's even a tour. Because right now I look at it more of it being exhibition golf versus being something that's competitive with the PGA. Uh, the Dustin Johnson's of the world, the, the Phil Mickelson's, Louis Ustase, and those guys, like you alluded to, Bobby, a lot of those guys are guys that are past their prime that aren't at the top of the leaderboards, that haven't seen the top of the leaderboards for a long time. So that transition to going over to live, there's a lot of money being thrown out there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not a sustainable model the way it's formatted right now. And like you said before, when it comes to other events that the Saudis put on and other attempts to try to get into the sporting industry, it's kind of fizzled by the wayside. The thing to worry about, though, and to look at is we saw this years ago at IndyCar when Penske had a problem with Indy and the Indianapolis 500 and that event used to be a huge event. I mean, that that was another huge event that you look forward to on the Sunday that it came up. And when they split and when IndyCar had a problem in F1, that industry and that they, they divided fans. So I think the PGA is looking at that from the same aspect. We do have a monopoly on it. The guys all play for us. If they're not playing for us, we don't want them to play. Whether you agree with that and it's the right stance or the wrong stance, the PGA is kind of looking at it from, you know, we're the big boys and we have the ball in the, in the sandbox. And, and if you don't like us, then then you're not playing anywhere. So I, I think the, the PGA and their stance on it right now, they need to really look at that and evaluate exactly what's going on to see if that's the right move. 
Because if a PGA player is playing in a live event and they're saying you can't play in any of our tournaments, and, and again, they don't regulate any of the majors. So these guys can still go play majors. And they, they are this week. Golf is one of those sports that if you're not doing it all the time, your skills do diminish. So if you're only playing eight tournaments a year and you're more in vacation mode and they just threw $150 million at you, maybe you're not as sharp as you could have been if you were playing all those PGA events. So if those live tour players came back and played an event in the PGA and do, do poorly like Phil's doing right now, Phil's 11 over. He's missing the cut. And, and how much is he going to make shooting 11 over? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but he signed a big contract he got, for he got 200 million dollars with live exactly now the last place uh person on the live tour made one hundred twenty thousand dollars last week so wait so let's say there's a hundred people just hypothetically speaking sure there's a hundred people i come in a hundredth place i get one hundred twenty five thousand dollars right now the way that's set up you got with the, the amount of players that the live has on their tour currently the last place guys get one hundred twenty thousand dollars Comparatively speaking, we're talking about the U.S. Open this week. Yeah. A lot of these guys are getting a little older, going to the, the, the next tour. of the Part of the tour they would go to is the senior events, senior tour events. The senior U.S. Open, their most prestigious event, seventh place pays $126,000. So why would you not go to 54 or, or live? Tell me, Bob, as an expert in golf, what do we call it? Do we call it 54 or live? L-I-V. Live. Live. The live tour. Like, that's, live. That's live tour called. with a secret message in the there you Roman go. numerals. There, there you go. go. That's the way we'll do it. So so let me ask you this. Is it There's it, there's eight tournaments. There's eight tournaments. Are any of them majors? No. So, so it's just it's just eight tournaments. Here's your contract. And and what happens, isn't there at the end, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there at the end, if you finish in the top three, how much do you get? Uh, top three, there's $30 million that's going to be split up between the top three guys. There's also Ooh. team events. So you have team events where you have 12 teams, right. four guys on a team. They have a snake draft with a captain to establish those teams. There's also $5 million left over every week for those four, for the four player teams that get split up. There's also a prize fund at the end of the season for that, which is another $20 million. That is crazy. So I think it's I think it's important to tell people who are listening to, you know, how long have you been playing golf for? Longer than I can possibly remember. <laughs> so we'll say <laughs> 20, 20 odd years. 29 years. And if you're 20, now we live in the golf capital of the world. We really do. Sure. You've basically participated or played at every single high profile course. What is your favorite? And we'll get back to live, but I think, okay. I think it's important to tell people what's... What's the best course that you've played on in the state of Florida? Best course. Man, that is so subjective. Best course for you personally and best course by where everybody else would want to play based on prestige. I think prestige, that second half of that question, Seminole. Seminole is, they deny Jack Nicklaus membership. <laughs> Rory is a member. Rory's father is a member. Okay. It is probably one of the oldest golf courses around. It is very low key. They... Like their way, and their way is the way they do things. It is when you visually look at it and play it, it is you go, Well, I've been to nicer looking courses cosmetically. Yeah, when you play the, the degree of difficulty of that course is amazingly hard. It's just and and they that was evident in the last event that they had where the pros played there. One of the biggest events that they do there, ironically, because you brought up the Honda Classic earlier, was. One of the things around here in South Florida when it comes to the Honda Classic is we kind of get the short end of the stick of which pros are going to play. So we don't always get the best pros playing in the Honda Classic. 
The day after that, on Monday, they have their member guest golfer event, and it's a one-day event. It's the cream of the crop that plays there. So every pro that's around here, that lives around here, or they fly in, plays in that event. And you'll have the top woman golfer amateur, the top pro woman golfer, the top male golfer in the world, the top male amateur, and everybody else in between. It is a who's who of who plays, which just shows how prestigious that course is and the fact that people want to play there and be associated with it. And that's why I've heard it. Like with Honda, it seems that they're having issues with it being sandwiched between another PGA Tour event right. and that event at yeah. Seminole. And right. the guys that really want to come down here and play are going to pick and choose. And champ courses pretty darn difficult. It's <laughs> difficult. It's windy. Yeah. You know, it's a tough course to play. Bay Hill's right after that. So a lot of them gear up to go to Orlando and play Bay Hill. They don't want to get burnt out. A lot of them are also coming from the tournament before, so they're coming from California. Right. The Genesis? Yeah. And then they come here. They'll rest for a week, then go up to Bay Hill and then move on with the rest of their tournament. So there's not a lot of appeal when it comes to playing in Honda Classic. As far as cosmetically uh, and just a beautiful looking mm-hmm. course, I'd have to say either the Medalist or MacArthur, probably MacArthur. Cosmetically, is beautiful. Uh, Where are those two? Uh, those are both up in Hope Sound Stewart, that area. There's also the Floridian up there, This was beautiful, which was owned to oh, go yeah. to a baseball reference. The Floridian used to be owned by Wayne Heisinga, and now it's uh, Jim Cranes, the owner of uh, the Houston Astros. So those are, and we are extremely lucky. I mean, coming from the Northeast and coming down to Florida, we are in the golf capital. And if you are a golfer or you have any desire to play golf, once you get down here and have an opportunity to get on some of these courses, you don't want to get off. It, and you get you get spoiled real quick. My uh, my lady's brother, there. Uh, she's from far northern Quebec, Canada, and he's getting big into golf. They have two or three courses around where he is, and he wants to talk about if he should bring his golf clubs down. It's like, oh, there are a lot of golf courses down there. It's like, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of golf courses, and he responds because a lot to him compared to we. It was like, oh, there's like what, like twelve? It's like, yes, there are at least twelve golf courses in Palm Beach County. <laughs> bring your clubs. 10 miles. You are not going to run out of golf. It's crazy, and and you know when you when you talk about golf, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it is the hardest sport to play on hitting a ball that's not moving. Hundred percent. Now, why is that? What makes golf so hard? Is it repetitive motion? Is it muscle memory? What is it? It's the twelve inches between your ears. Ah, okay. It is it is the most satisfying and frustrating game you can ever play. What's the best you've ever shot? Uh, Seventy nine. Now, now for all those that's better than me. That's <laughs> better than it's way better than me. I usually shoot in the hundred and twenties. But um, so you know, to explain to people who aren't real golf people, what's a seventy nine? What does that mean? So par is seventy two, right? So they'll establish par. Of course, usually it's seventy one or seventy two. And it's the amount of strokes either above or below that. The ironic thing when you come to South Florida is the 79, even though that could be considered a good score, is eh, okay because there's so many good golfers. And when you look at the sport as a whole and look at the guys that are around here and the caddies that are around here and the players that are around and guys that are trying to make the tour, there's a ton of guys that can shoot 68. It's just – it's not a big deal. It's the guys that can do it on a consistent basis and can block out the things mentally – they keep them from getting to the next level, where you, which you, is what you really need to excel and get over the top when it comes to getting to the PGA Tour or getting to the Live Tour or wherever direction you want to go. The PGA Tour does make it extremely difficult to get your card, to qualify for Q School, get in there, get your card, and look at Ricky Fowler to get back to Live Tour for guy. a second. Well, think about this. He was the second alternate for the U.S. Open. He hasn't played. When's the last time you saw a Rocket Mortgage commercial? Because I haven't seen one in a while. 
And dipped, he used to be all over the place. It's dipped down a little bit for him. Is he a name that might switch over to live? Is there a certain point where you're kind of past that, as we say, like a, a bit of a prime? Or is he a contender, thinks he can get it back? Or is there a certain point in his career he thinks, you know what? Lives the way to go. I'm just going to have fun with what golf I got left in. Well, Bobby, let me ask you this question. If you're his agent, what are you telling him? Say, show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can you Can you guys – okay, listen. Dustin Johnson, he signed a $125 million contract. He's married you know, to a Gretzky. There's money, right? But this is a man who went on the interview and said, I want to play less golf. That's why he – okay, he took it because he got $125 million. That's not just Dustin Johnson money. That's generational money. Well, I think there's an end game for him. You know, he's not the type of guy that wants to be around for 12 more years before he gets to the senior tour, worries about a few more majors, and then wants to play some senior events. It doesn't encompass him. Okay, let's say Bob Hamilton is in the senior PGA Tour, right? Let's say I, I finished third. What am I getting as a 60-year-old, 50-year-old, whatever? Uh, in a regular event, probably yeah. high six figures, okay. six fifty. Now, how often does that happen? Not very often. See what I mean? I would have to think. You know, Dustin Johnson, I think, is the one hot topic we're going to keep talking about because I think he's got the least controversy of some of these golfers yes. that are switching over. Phil, for sure, is. You know, there's a book coming out about him. There's been some other controversies surrounding him. He's jumping ship, getting in to get his money in this other league while he can. Dustin Johnson just seems like he's making a career move where, right. you know, he's he's been number one. He's got his green jacket. How much more can he accomplish besides tripling his net worth with one contract that's going to get him to continue playing the game he loves, to continue to be with the family he loves? Uh, to me, it's just he's the hot button issue because it's not one of those guys that we want to see leave the PGA Tour. We want him to still be right. there and contend and be a part of the field. But he's he's got to be smart about that. You look at guys like Tiger, for example, who I don't know how he hasn't made that switch when you talk about wanting to play less golf. The wear and tear that they talk about Tiger facing competition at PGA level. And they've offered, what, Tiger, a billion dollars to come over to the Live Tour? I like that he's still wants to stick with PGA because he knows that that's where the competition is because he's a competitive guy. But well, you know, I, think, point. I think, you know, you don't hear any of the players talk about legacy that comes from the media. What's my legacy? Where am I? Players really don't say that, yeah. but the media does a lot. But if you look at some of these guys, the Roy McElroy's of the world, Justin Speed, Justin Thomas, these guys, they're in their mid twenties. So I think the PGA tour and the prestige of the PGA tour their legacy means something to them. Tiger has a billion dollars in the bank. He's tied in with Jack Nicholas and the record and the greatest golfer of all time. The PGA also has a dilemma with that. Let's say Tiger were to jump ship and go to the Live Tour. Do you, do you tell Tiger he can't come back and play in any events? Absolutely not. He'd be the first person. They would let him right back. As in Exactly where the exception starts. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's where the controversy starts coming into play. Are we playing apples with apples here? And right now, Rory McIlroy is the poster child for the PGA. You know, he is all over every. But he hasn't won anything night. in such a long well, time. Rory, Rory won last week. But look at all these young guys. All, major, these, all these young bucks are, are you know, the Justin Spieth. They've all won and kind of dipped away. Spieth was red hot at the Masters a few years back. Kind of cooled off. Now he's coming back again. So these guys have a lot of competitive spirit comes in them, and they've got a lot of golf left to play. 
especially with PGA. Rory to me is like the Matthew Stafford of golf where he just continues to be <laughs> battling out there, oh, yeah. not quite getting that yep. big win that we wanted to see you get, but he seems like a good guy, very charismatic, goes out, does the right thing, and as soon as he gets the opportunity, he's like, come on, Rory, we want to see you get that win. Right. And that's a good point because to me, one of the guys I that was I was very surprised to see flip was Louis Eustazen. Now, Louis Eustazen is South African. Yep. He is always in the mix. Um, I would compare him to almost like the Dodgers or the Yankees. Now, he doesn't he doesn't win it very often, but the man is always in the mix. He's always going to be there. He's always going to be top 10. Were you surprised with Louis Eustazen leaving? You know, these guys have different motivation. And, and if it's a money grab and, okay, let's get over there and get as much as we can and get out. Or if it's, hey, I think we can go do this for a few years and the PGA will come around and we can figure out how to get back. The mindset is is in, in question. Right. But so, no, I, I'm not surprised at anybody going. I, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of temptation. How can you turn that's generational money? It's generational money. So, so that, like, that's why I bring up Ricky. Because my right. point with Ricky is, okay, you haven't won in a few years. The sponsorships really aren't there right now. You're, you're not making a cut for the U.S. Open. You're the prime candidate. They'll give you $150 million. million. Right. But let me ask you this. Now, this is this is kind of off the subject. And I've, I've heard this urban legend before. I don't know if it's true. Obviously, Phil has a, a gambling problem. Just right. a bit. Just a little, just a, just a tad. <laughs> Old Philly boy likes to gamble. Is it true that at Augusta, he played somebody, some unnamed person in 18 holes. It was like for a million dollars and he didn't pay. And the club head, club pro at, at Augusta said, if you don't play, if you don't pay this man his money, you will never step foot in Augusta again. Augusta, I, I don't know if that's factual. I, I, okay. I couldn't. Confirm or deny that. <laughs> yeah, okay, you sound like you're on a committee panel in front of Congress. Okay. I can tell you that if you're doing something on the grounds of Augusta, you better be doing the right thing or they will ban you for life. And I can tell you numerous stories of people and sons and daughters of very famous people that aren't allowed back. Oh, please. Can, can you give us one or you, you, or you can't you can't speak on the, the grounds of the fifth? Well, there's, there's a couple that have been publicly put out there. One is Gary Player's son. Gary Player's son, they were honoring uh, yes. one of the first black golfers uh, in a ceremonial mm. event at the beginning of the Masters. And he flashed a box of golf balls that he was promoting at the videotaping. And uh, the Masters did not take kindly to that. They did not publicly come out and say anything because they don't. That's not what they do. They do everything behind the scenes. And they basically told him, you're banned for life. You can't come back. Don't, don't step on the grounds. That's it. You're done. He apologized to the Masters numerous times, written and verbal. Apologized to the other people that were at the event numerous times, and they all forgave him. But the Masters said, "No, we do not change our policy. Can't come back." That's just the way they wanted to show. If you noticed, with all this lift stuff going on, everything going, you have not one peep out of them because they won't tell you anything. They won't say anything. They keep it under wraps to the to the extent that the par three course that's there right now is getting completely torn up. And they're redoing it. Nobody knows this. The only reason that anybody found out is they had a drone that went over the top and was able to take a video and send it out to the press. Besides that, there was no press release. There was no nothing. It's just the way they were in the organization. Wow. So the Masters takes place in April, correct? Yes. Yep. So everybody wants to know what the Masters are doing. We're only in June, a few months after the most recent Masters. Yeah. Are they sitting there waiting to think... Let's wait another six months to see what happens to live. Why do we need to make a decision on any of these players when we're not quite on the timeline yet? I think that's exactly it. And the question, if we go back to Dustin Johnson, is he's a past winner. 
So past winners come back for uh, the dinner. And the previous champion from the year before decides what the dinner is, and all the previous champions are there for dinner, and they have a lifetime exemption and can play the Masters every year for the, the, the remainder of their career. For as long as they want, for as old as they are, it doesn't matter. Forever until you're dead. And and you're, and for all anybody wondering, they're probably saying, how does a man who owns two dry cleaning <laughs> businesses know all this? Well, people. Rich people got to clean their clothes somewhere. <laughs> and, and Bob has done a phenomenal job of, you know, marketing his two, um, his two businesses over there. Um, he's been in business for about 30 years and you see a lot of people who come in and out of there. And like I said, we're in the golf capital of the world, so we don't call him the Baron of Bartering for nothing. <laughs> so you do get to rub shoulders with quite a few people. Right, and 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 I think it's a cool story that you know you're not famous, but you, well, I am now. But you kind of are. <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on the best podcast in the world, so yeah, my fame is only going up from here. <laughs> Curious question for you as a, a casual golfer. So I went out for a wedding recently out in the Carmel, Santa Cruz area, where Pebble Beach is located, and I was telling myself, okay, I I'm usually not like I'm hovering out at a hundred. Sure. As far as golf, I'm going out casually every now and then. I like to be competitive, and mostly it's to get together with friends. I told myself, okay, if I can hit 18 over in the one week leading up to the wedding, I'm going to bring my clubs. I'm going to go out and play. Didn't happen. So, like, I don't, okay, I don't think I deserve it. A friend of mine was saying, well, self punishment. Yeah. It was, well, it was, it was more like, I got to earn that. Like, I've told myself, I got to hit this to get a new bag or do this. Like, I got to make it worthwhile to advance myself in golf. But a buddy of mine had the logic. It's like, Hey, if you're only going out to this Pebble beach area, this one time, right. Even if you're hitting more strokes, you're getting more of your money's worth per swing. Seeing the whole course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how much is there that level of, I mean, whether when you came up starting golf or just going around, are you concerned with the quality of your play compared to the prestigiousness of the course or is it just hey i get the opportunity to play this course i'm going to enjoy it for what time i have so my mindset on that it's kind of twofold one is if i'm playing extremely well uh business is probably a little slow because i'm able to get out there and do it so (laughs) if that's the case things aren't that good (laughs) on the flip side of that there's a line for everyone and i'll give you a a, a quick side story here uh lou holtz got done coaching so after he got done coaching, he did a lot of uh, events and broadcasting. He was able to go play a lot of golf. So he was out on the course one day, and he's a God fearing man. Believes his beliefs are very strong. He makes it very public. Uh, he was out on the course. He was playing well, and he was extremely frustrated. And a caddy walked up to him and said, "Mr. Holtz, uh, you know, I, I know you believe in God. Can you just do me a favor and just look around for a second? He looked around because you hear the birds whistling, wind blowing." beautiful trees he goes yeah he goes you're not good enough to be this mad (laughs) that's a good point he goes so from now on just enjoy it enjoy where you're at enjoy with your surroundings and what's around you so when i go take somebody to go play golf and we go to one of these beautiful courses trump international or the medalist or anywhere else i'll say listen you're gonna lose a lot of balls and you're gonna get really frustrated here's the thing i want you to do make sure you enjoy yourself don't worry, we're probably coming back if you're not a jerk. <laughs> and we'll do it again. And next time, you might score a little bit better because you'll have a more of an understanding of the course because you're going to play it again. But until then, enjoy what, you, enjoy what you're doing. Just have a good time. Focus on that shot that you hit really well, not on the six that you hit poorly. Because those six that you hit poorly aren't getting you anywhere. They're only getting you madder and you're only going to get tighter and you're only going to shoot worse. 
If you concentrate on things you did well, then we can build upon that. And if we build upon that, we'll have a better round. If nothing else, just have an extra beer. <laughs> what's, your drink of, what's your drink of choice on the course? Well, now it's changed because it used to be beer. Now we're going to seltzers. You know, we're all getting healthier and try to drink a little bit better and drink a little bit lighter and lose a few more pounds. So, you know, usually a, a, a hard seltzer or a weight claw or something like that. <laughs> what about you? What's your, like, that, that drink that's going to get you I, to that next level of golf? Yeah, I got to be honest. Um, I haven't, I have my kids seven, haven't played in about seven years. Usually when Bob goes to these nice places, I'll say, hey, man, let me just take a shower in it and get some lunch. <laughs> so I don't even, I don't even play. But if I were to play again, oh, White Claw, I think they're, or, or a seltzer or whatever, like he said, because they're refreshing, you know. Mm-hmm. To me, beer is so heavy. Yeah. And you're out there sweating. And, and for all these people who aren't listening, uh, it's pretty hot here in August, <laughs> but that's the cheapest time to play. Yeah. So oh, yeah. we're in the out of season prices. Yeah. Everything drops down about 30%. Right. I'm excited. <laughs> this is where I stopped playing at the Jupiter Dunes and the Golf Now courses. This is where I'm actually ponying up for Abacoa and places like that. There you go. That's what I'm saying. And it, and it's, it's um, you know, golf is so frustrating. It is. It's a ball that's not moving. You know, we're baseball guys. I mean, you played a lot more baseball than I have. It's not moving. I'd say the margin of error, but I know there's a specific term for that cone, that window of which you can like have to make a mistake. Whereas in Gosh. baseball, if you, what's it called? If you, well, if you're not putting a club in a slot, if you're coming over the top, there's, yeah. there, okay. So baseball, the amount of movement that you're making with baseball, even though you're hitting a round ball or round bat, you're, you're pretty compact and you're swinging what you're doing. I mean, obviously you can go over the top, but with golf to bring that club, because it's so light over the top, not dropping it down in the slot, being too fast to your hands, not rotating your hips, moving your head, um, shifting your legs. There's so many variables. And the only way to get better is to be consistent. So getting lessons, understanding those lessons, understanding what you're doing wrong. Because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll reinforce the bad stuff. You go, well, I haven't played in a while, so I'm going to go to the driver range for a while. So you go to the driver range, but all you're doing is reinforcing your bad habits. Hitting 100 balls the wrong way over and over again. Right. You know, you wouldn't do that with a batting coach. Oh, yeah. But if to, you got in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> to that point, you're saying with baseball, like, you know, a foul ball is a slice. But right. you, it's a – you constantly have a mug and you keep fouling them off until you get that one in play. Right. That's not golf. Golf is the few lost balls into the drink until you can really put it down the <laughs> fairway. Just that margin of error is so much smaller. And it's, once that ball is gone, you don't get it back. You play with what you deal with. You can get a grounder and run it out. You can get a – a bloop, um, you know, into the outfield and still be able to manage with golf is like, there is one good shot and there's a lot of ways it can go wrong. Right. And that's a good point. You know, growing up, growing up as a kid, my father during the summers, um, he, he owned his own carpet business, but during the summer he was a caddy master and he wasn't very good at golf. He was, he was not, but he became really good at golf once he started betting he would bet big and these guys would shiver in their shoes and they didn't know what to do and they'd fold like a lawn chair that's how he made extra money on the side you know in new york he he played these guys and it's a different mental game once you have money on it and we talked about that before like we were saying you know what's the difference everybody can shoot a 68 it's that you got a dollar on the line wait a minute you got a dollar on the line you can't make the putt we would right. nothing you sank it now think about that when you're standing over that putt and that putt's worth $75,000 if I make it or if I miss it. That's the difference. Well, all of a sudden, things just got changed a little bit. You're not on your home course just having a good time. So, these guys, when they get up to the next level and that money starts coming into play and it's, I have obligations and I have this and I have that and my caddy and worrying about this. And I, 
that that's what kind of separates them and they can go that that one percent is going to make it to where they need to go and the rest of the guys kind of fall by the wayside and they're just club pros or they're out there scrapping for some money now do you think because they're contracted i'm saying dustin and all those guys do you think that seventy five thousand dollar putt playing for the live tour does it even matter anymore because they're like you know what i'm getting 125 mil anyway well who cares i think that you can't take the competition out of somebody that's at that level. Got it. They want to win. Great point. They want to win. I'm curious, though, as you know, to that mentality you spoke of, there's plenty of times in other sports, baseball especially, or when the guy makes that big $300 million contract, good portion of them, I'd say like 60%, the majority are going to dip off in talent because it's like, hey, I made it. I got my money. My hard work paid off. I'm guaranteed. So maybe there's a couple guys in golf that might happen too, but I'm sure there's still those competitors out there that says, I want to win no matter what the what money's on the line. What I am curious about is the workload that these guys usually have on a PGA schedule. If they're abandoning that and going to the live tour and they're playing eight events, how much are they playing in between? Are they taking a month off? Are they taking one week off? They stick to their current routine that they've been having on the PGA Tour as far as practicing and just have those eight events because I think that's where you can see a dramatic fall off. Because if they're not if they're not mentally in the game and they're not swinging that club, you are. It's inevitable. You're just you're not going to be as good as you should be. So Dustin Johnson said when they asked him, "What are you going to do the rest of the years? Whatever I want." Exactly, <laughs> and I love it. He's, he's just living his life, man. You know, he's trying to do his thing. He's got a family. He's got kids. But let me ask you this: Let's say the PGA comes and says, "Okay, Phil, Dustin, Louis, no Hall of Fame for you." You think they care? No. How about you, Bobby? I'd be curious to liken it to, you know, I think we talked about this last week as well with steroids and baseball. Right. Is, you know, if you were to really grill the Roger Clemens and the Barry Bonds and the Alex Rodriguez, is like if they're not going to be in the Hall of Fame based on what they did, like, okay, still got hundreds of millions of dollars and a good lifestyle. Um, you know, to some of these guys, the Hall of Fame is, a, is an errand for them. For these new guys that have big money, they're going out of their way to find small town Cooperstown. You know, maybe for some of these higher end guys, if they already have plenty of accolades and money on their ledger, then they're not necessarily going to care about the Hall of Fame. But to your point, if there are some contenders that are still out there, they want that final chapter put on their career. Yeah, yeah, no. And that's and that's a good point. You know, I think eventually I was kind of comparing now that you explained everything, you know, I think we were talking last week that we were comparing the live tour to basically like the USFL. It's not going to last. You think it's going to last? I don't know. I, I think the only way that it does last is it, it cannot be sold just money from the Saudi Arabians. If it's, if it, that's their only revenue source, there's going to get a point where these guys go, okay, we're not making money. And this just doesn't make sense. One of the things that we, we talked about a little earlier that could come into play is the team events where they have 12 different teams. You get the Red Bulls of the world, those type of companies that are maybe associated with the X Games and not necessarily connected with golf that go, listen, we want in. So, we'll sponsor a team. So, we'll throw $10 million on a team. So, now now all of a sudden, you're generating revenue. Okay. If you last a couple of years, who's not to say that TV station can broadcast this and generate a little bit more revenue there? So I think if you they structure it in a way where they have more events, they bring more corporate sponsors in or be able to attract more corporate sponsors and make it a legitimate business and a, a legitimate source of resources and, and um, finances, that they got to have an opportunity. If it stays the way it is, there, I don't think there's any longevity there at all. 
I'm glad we had him on because I didn't know any of that stuff. No, it's, it's all brilliant. Like I think we to that point, if you can make a sustainable business, maybe there's a, a point down the line where instead of PJ thinking they got the monopoly and sitting on their high horse, we'll stop to say, okay, li- there is a place for live golf in the industry, and can we find a partnership, whether it's like as a minor league or an alternative or um, just something else that's out there? Because there is, I think we've talked about it before, is there is a, a kind of divisive culture in golf right now where there's the, the bright colors and the loud noises and wanting to have that fanfare. And there's the people that still want to have the etiquette and the professionalism. Sure. And is this a way that, Hey, they can coexist or do they have to work together or is, you know, is one going to lose to the other? Well, you made a good point. The waste management tour and the 16th hole and the Honda classic and the bear, bear trap. trap. You know, th- there is room in there and there is there are a lot of fans out there that go, I want to be a part of that. And Waste Manager, that tournament, there are no fools. They, they look at it and say, okay, that stadium surrounding that part three used to be a quarter of that size. Now mm-hmm. it totally encompasses the, uh, that whole hole. Well, I think you should explain a little bit um, about the Honda Classic because it's a, it's the biggest local tournament here in Palm Beach Gardens. It's a big to-do and it is a shame that these, these um, players don't play in it. I mean, you live a block away. Yeah. It's like, guys, come on, you're sporting local community here. You know, any little restaurant out there that, that makes their money off of after every day of the Honda Classic, you know, they're, they're not going to. And I think it's a shame. But, you know, tell a little bit of history of the Honda Classic because it was never the Honda Classic. It just became the Honda Classic, but 15, 20 years uh, ago? Yeah, about that. About that. Uh, Jack, obviously, is a big part of that. Uh, his two bi- The two biggest events that he participates in and kind of backs is his his tournament up in Columbus, Ohio uh, at Mirafield Country Club and then here at the Honda Classic because he promotes the hospitals down here and the charitable work that he does down here. So, he, he's an integral part of what happens there. The Honda Classic used to be across the street at Mirasol Country Club. Uh, then they moved it over to where it's at currently. They're right now under negotiations to keep it there. So there might be a location change. We got and Jack's it to a, got a new course down here. Yes, he does. Yes, yeah. he does. And Jack gets what he wants. <laughs> well, so just, that, that might be something that's coming down the road. And uh, when it comes to the Honda, Doral, it used to be Doral, would come after this and you know, Durrell got taken away uh, during the Trump administration. Everything that went on there, and they took that tournament in the world, the World Golf Classic, and took it down to Mexico. But guys are coming from, like I said, California and coming here. A lot of them skip the event. It's a great event to go to. It's a great course, but it's a difficult course, and these guys do not want to look bad. And the wind blows pretty hard when, oh yeah, when the Honda's here. Wasn't it originally started by Jackie Gleason down in the Honda Classic down in Lauderdale? What what was that course called? Well, it was down. I believe it was down in Durrell years ago, but yeah, right. Jackie Gleason was a part of it. It was all those old-time guys, but I did the, the exact history of the origins yeah. of it, you caught me off guard on that one. <laughs> I tried to, you're an expert. I tried to throw the expert off. No. But, you know, also another big thing on the show, Bob, is is we like to discuss real people, right? And movies. Give me your top five favorite movies of all time. Ooh. Now, I got to give you, I got to give you everybody a, a prelude here. Bob is Italian. You speak Italian. Top on the list. <laughs> okay. So, you might have a, a little, little bit, bit of Goodfellas, of Godfather, and Rocky. But go ahead. Godfather's got to be number one for me. Okay. My only, the only debate that I have there is if Godfather 1 and 2 are interchangeable. Because it might be the best sequel of all time. Now, that being said, and I still have not been able to get out to go see it, they're saying Maverick is the best sequel of all time. It's and amazing. It, it tops the original. 
It, it, no, it does. So now when I look at The Godfather and Godfather Part 2, I go, ah, two might be better than one. It might be just a little. So those are definitely on my top one and two. Okay. Uh, Goodfellas is up there. See, oh. Gotta be, right? Okay. Especially, uh, you gotta throw it out there to our friend who passed away, Ray Liotta, you know? I know. He was such a great actor, man. He was a man. great actor. He, he was a great bad guy. <laughs> he just he just had that look. You know what I mean? Ray Liotta just had that look of like a gangster. Uh, my wife is deathly afraid of him. And I'm like, he's not coming through the TV. <laughs> <laughs> What's number four on the list? Four. Non-Italian. Shawshank. Oh, that's what I said. Too. Line up with you. I know. <laughs> Number five. Yeah. Oh, if he says this, <laughs> and I swear we didn't discuss this. No, no, no. This is not preconceived. Uh, number five. Number five. Maybe feel the dreams. Wow. Okay. Now that's going to hit a chord with Bobby and I. <laughs> uh, that's that's definitely makes me cry every time. <laughs> that's a movie that every baseball father should show their baseball oh. son for sure. Is there a, a field of dreams of golf, or is there a top golf movie? Oh, yeah, there's a few. Obviously, for comedic purposes, Caddyshack is an all-time classic. Of course. Which, by the way, bombed at the box office. Was not a hit until a few years later. Really? Did not do well at the box office. I think I had heard that, and I just, I forgot it. It was before my time, but. (laughs) I I like Tin Cup. Tin Cup's great. Tin Cup's a great one. The Legend of Bagger Vance is a good one. That's not a good one for me. Bagger Vance? Oh, yeah. It was Matt Damon, Will Smith. Just it, it had that, that beauty and flow of golf. Like, it was just a movie that, like, it, the tone matched the sport. Well, absolutely. And if you're going to compare Field of Dreams and Bagger Vance, it's obviously he doesn't play catch. Spoiler. Obviously, he doesn't play catch with his dad at the end. <laughs> or the natural in Bagger Vance. The there you go. Comparison. Yeah. There you go. Even better. Absolutely. So, we got your top five. Now, where does a guy like you who's played every course in the world go to eat? Where do you like to eat, man? What's your favorite uh, foods? Like you, you got you got to look at all of our local. We got some local cuisine here that's amazing. What do you got? You know, a, a place where I went to recently that had been a while is Leftovers. Leftovers, food shack, great food. Just amazing. Just amazing. Bob, have you been to Leftovers? I've been to both. And that is what I found is just quintessential Florida, go in your sun shirt, still get fine cuisine. That that's Good one time. of the places you take somebody when they come down and visit. Yes, so they go. Why are you here? What one of my one of my closures for uh, taking somebody when they come down and visit? By the way, to get off subject for a second, is uh, they'll always go. Why'd you move to Florida? It's so hot there. How, how do you, how can you take it? So I hear this. They're berating me for a week about how hot it is here, and then the last night I'll take them to the grouper. Right when the sun's going down, the tiki torch is getting lit. We have a cocktail and we look at the intercoastal. And they're like, I, gotta, I have to leave tomorrow. I go, I know. That's why I brought you here tonight. That way you have something to think about. <laughs> Bob, we can't thank you enough for coming on. He's our first guest. I mean, this is kind of memorable, man. We covered a lot because I didn't know that much about the live tournament, you know, and it's just a, a pleasure to have you on and we can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Would, would you attend a live event if it was in your area? Ironically so. Doral, uh, which is coming up towards the end of the season, is sold out already. Really? There is a waiting list. Wow. Maybe we could do a podcast down there. We yeah, could do there one of the go. episodes. <laughs> Live from Doral. <laughs> Live live golf tournament. We, we could wear, uh, you know, support it some way, somehow. But no, we uh, we can't thank you uh, for coming on today. Uh, Bob actually came in on the last second. We had our other guest canceled due to it's classified. That's all I was told. <laughs> 
So, I don't mind being a bridesmaid. It's an honor. Hey, always a bridesmaid, <laughs> never a bride, right? No, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Like I said, Bobby and I are, are very happy to have you here as our first guest, and uh, hopefully we see you soon. Well, I'd wish you success, but I don't, I don't need to do that. You guys can do great. You guys do a great job. It's an honor to be here, and thank you very, very much for having me. You got it. All right, guys. Well, it was an absolute honor this week, and we will see you guys next week. Live from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. <laughs> In North Palm Beach, Florida. We can't thank uh, Jim York enough. No, Jim York runs the place, and we can't thank him enough for having us here at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So thank you guys again. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or Amazon. Thank you guys. Everybody have a great week.